You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about public domain books and solving book light problems. But first, what are you reading, Bria? I just started a book called Florida by Lauren Groff. Oh, I just bought that. Oh, did you? Oh I my God, I love Fiction Actually, Theory so much. So I didn't read it. I didn't read that, but it's this so is good. so random. So a shooting movie in Florida, and I was like, and I got- With I, all the snakes. I requested, yeah, there's a lot of snakes down there. I don't want to blame anyone, but they're- <laughs> <laughs> But I- As if someone was like- I blame- Placing <laughs> snakes around- who put all these snakes here? The, there's two directors of this movie. There's one I, I blame more than the other one for no reason. <laughs> um, so I was down there and I... Somebody left all their <laughs> snakes around. <laughs> and uh, I I requested this book from my library. It did not arrive uh, before I left or while I was there. And then when I was leaving, one of the directors uh, gave me uh, this book. And I was like, what a wonderful book to give me. And he knew I do this podcast and... He was like, have you read this book? And I was like, no, but I love it. And then there's an entire chapter about snakes. Can you tell me which one it is? I think it's called Snakes. <laughs> okay. um, I just have only read the, fr- I read the first story. In it, it, so it's, first- a, it's a short story collection by Lauren Groff. Yes. Uh, and it's I, all about Florida. Yes. That's as far as I've gotten. I, yeah, I haven't started it yet, but I will. Ne- I'm really glad. See, like... I'm not going to get my trigger warning stickers for snakes, but I'll just have you. Uh, yeah, you, you should be careful. My books. The first story, which is all I've read, does not have any snakes in it. <laughs> but um, she lives in Florida, I guess. I Let's will see. say this is a testament to how much I adore Nick White. There's a snake story in his latest collection, Sweet and Low, and I read it, and it's a good story. Yeah, this it one is hard. called Like Snakes, and it has a whole thing. He actually marked it for me because he knows how scared I am of snakes. I'll just, like- I'll just rip the pages out of the book, <laughs> or I'll lock them up. Uh, what are you reading, Mallory? I am reading Find Me by Laura Vandenberg, and it's wicked good so far. It's a very Bria book. It's post-apocalyptic. There's a lady on a journey. Uh, she, This woman, main character, she started life as an orphan and has kind of a shitty life. And then this uh, sort of I, kind of a plague, but like this like massive disease outbreak hits America and everyone's dying it's kind of like the flu uh but she is one of a small group of people who is immune to it so she gets taken into this hospital and they just call it the hospital and it's along with a bunch of other people who are immune and they're keeping them there for a certain amount of time to make sure that they're immune and do some tests on them um and right before she got taken to the hospital she found out about her birth mother. So at some point, I'm I'm not done with it yet, but at some point in the book, she goes on a journey to try to find her birth mother, mother to see if she's alive or not. Uh, but it's really surreal and dreamy, but at the same time, like very brutal and sad. And it's great so far. I read her other short story collection, What the World Looks Like When All the Water Leaves Us. And it's amazing. Uh, I love it so much. So I'm really, really happy to read this one. So uh, we're going to take a moment to answer a recommendation request from Abby. Abby says, my 18-year-old brother is really into a card game called Magic the Gathering. He's always bothering me with trivia about it and trying to get me to learn how to play. I'm a big book nerd and I'm always trying to get my brother to read books. We recently came to an agreement where if he read a book of my choosing, I would learn how to play magic. The thing is, I don't know what book to choose for him. He's recently read A Brave New World by Aldous Huxley for one of his classes and really liked it. But he also really he also read Into the Wild by John Krakauer and liked it for its non-urban setting and exploration of the human experience. I'm at a loss for what I should give him. Bria, what should this this cool nerdy kid read? 
I am going to read you a text message. I My cousin is very good at Magic the Gathering. And I said, what should this person read? And he said, that would require me knowing different types of fictional books. You forget my favorite author is R.L. Stein. <laughs> um, but then we discussed longer. And I, so one I came up with was like the Lord of the Rings books. Magic. It's, he's the right age. Like there's, there's elves and wizards and stuff. <laughs> there's magic shit in there. There's all sorts of magic shit in there. And that's the thing that people like magic. They like the magic aspect, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my first thought. My second thought is uh, Dune. Frank oh, Herbert's yeah. Dune. Because I feel like it's sort of a, it's a great book for anyone who's into sort of magic. But it's, it's, a, it's a magic book for sci-fi nerds. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I think like if you like sci-fi or magic, it is a really good book just to like to get under your belt. And it's a classic. Yeah. So it's like one that he will like. And I feel like all men read this book at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Most men read Dune. It's like it's. Dude literature. I don't know. Dude. This was my. This was just my initial thinking. I actually had a lot of trouble with this one. And there's good world building, which I think magic people would love. Did you ever play magic? Yeah. Of course. Look so at me. Know better. Well, I never played it. And I was. he tried to teach me once, my cousin, and I did a horrible job at learning. But I did play Hearthstone, which I think is similar. Mm. To the point where I actually had to delete it because I played too much of it. And I realized it was taking up all my time. Oh, wow. Which is, I think, a similar thing, but it's a computer game. Huh. Anyway, not interesting. What do you What do you think for this? <laughs> it's funny that I so I tapped someone in for this as well. Yeah, I had I had a bunch like I always get flummoxed by these book recommendation requests, like specific ones that are like this because I have so many ones, uh, but I feel like I do not have a link into the young male psyche. Mm, yeah, yeah. So I asked Alan, who once was a young nerdy man, and he recommended Adjustment Day by Chuck Palahniuk. Um, uh, Alan said uh, that this was a great book for an 18-year-old guy who likes dystopic fiction but doesn't read very often because it's um, transgressive. It's very easy to read. It's very anti-patriarchy. Hmm. So it's good for when you are – it's like – it's very similar to Fight Club. But Alan was like – it's like if Fight Club was – if it's like the basement of Fight Club was the whole government. Oh, that's cool. And it's very um, – if you're like an 18-year-old guy and you're learning your way in the world and you're learning how to fight uh, fight against like – patriarchy and like all these ideas of toxic masculinity it's a really good thing to have. I like that we both took it upon ourselves we were like we gotta teach him about how to be a good man this is like our, <laughs> this is our one chance <laughs> I, no joke I was like should I just give him a book on feminism like, <laughs> I think you have to really play to know the crowd you're playing to that's why I was like Alan <laughs> help me with this poor man we have to solve this person's problems yep uh, so if you guys want to send us recommendation requests, you can always email them to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And uh, quick bookmark. Quick bookmark. Um, look out for some bonus episodes, some fun live things coming up for us. Thank you to everyone who came out to our live Paul Tremblay show. And look out. We did a crossover with Sword and Lasers. Look out for all those things because this is really exciting. We're trying to do more and more stuff like that. And if you like it, let us know. Also, a second bookmark, a sad bookmark, yeah. our first sad bookmark. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, uh we are no longer partnered with Greta for transcription services. They uh, can no longer uh, give us free transcriptions, which is totally understandable. <laughs> we partnered with them for uh, almost a year, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, you can go and you can still find all of our old episode transcriptions up there. And we are looking for actively looking for another place to do our transcriptions. So yeah. if you know of anything, please send it our way. Also, just to uh, just to ask everyone, we don't really know how many people were using Greta for us we never didn't we never really got any 
we we got we get feedback maybe like five people were like oh yay it's mm-hmm. so great that it's accessible but if if this is something that you use if it's something that like you gave to someone else to use if it's something that like is important to you at all please let us know yeah the problem is like we're saying this to on an episode that won't be transcribed, transcribed. <laughs> yes um but we're at, we're at, we it's really really important to us to make the show as accessible as possible uh but it also helps if we know how many people if there's like a you know people that want it yeah so yeah just let us know uh so before we talk about public domain books we're going to take a quick break Hi, everybody. I'm your oldest brother, Justin McElroy. I'm your middlest brother, Travis McElroy. And I'm your sweet baby brother, Griffin McElroy. Me and 3,000 of your closest friends just found your next podcast obsession. Serial! Okay, but like, the second best podcast. 99% Oh, f***. Just listen to my brother, my brother, and me on MaximumFun.org. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. This week, it's all about public domain literature. What exactly does it mean when a book is public domain, and what does it mean for you as a reader? So copyright laws are extremely complicated, but here are the basics. When a book is in the public domain, it means that it's not protected by copyright, and it doesn't require a license or a fee to use it. Public domain means they're owned by the public. Books can enter the public domain if their copyright has expired, if the owner of the copyright failed to renew the copyright, or the copyright owner deliberately placed it in the public domain. Okay, Mallory, it's quiz time. I'm going to name a bunch of things, and you tell me whether or not you think they can be copyrighted. Okay. A phrase. Yes. No. Oh, Cannot copyright a phrase. That's interesting. A fact or a theory. No. Right. Because if I was like, I can't copyright, I'm like, I can't copyright facts. I I discovered the makeup of a cell. You know, you're like, yeah, everyone gets to have it. A choreographed dance. Yes. Yeah, you can... Copyright that choreograph. Make a reading glasses dance. Mm-hmm. Uh, city laws or codes? No. Right, but people tried to. That was a big debate, whether or not because they were like, "We originated this very good code. This is our for our city," and they wanted to copyright them, but we said no. Huh. A map? No. Yes. That's it's specific crazy. kind of map you can. I don't know the total rules on it. it had to be more. It's pretty specific, but that's a yes. My plan. My plans to build the tallest building in the world. <laughs> no. Yeah, I can copyright my plans to build anything. My building plans copyrighted. Wow, guys, don't step on Bria's building plans. Uh, slogan. Yes. No. Wow. But you can trademark it, which is different. Yes. Again, guys. So the copyright laws are really complicated. Yeah, they are. An ingredients list. No. That's right, but you can't copyright the recipe with the directions. But okay, the ingredients list, you can't. Like, if I'm just because you and I make our muffins the same way, it doesn't mean I can. I make muffins by buying them at the <laughs> store. <laughs> Last one, a title. Yes. No. Wow. Yeah, because this is a big debate right now. I, if you've been following the um, cocky gate, the cocky gate. Cocky Gate is, and you know what? If you listen to Sword and Laser, if you listen to our crossover episode, that that is, we discuss Cocky Gate. But the whole thing is, you can. Trademark if it's part of a series, but you can't, like, just my title. That's why things will be named. There's lots of movies, lots of books named the same thing. You can't yep. you can't um, copyright it. You know what's funny is that when my book came out for pre-order, uh, 
There's another book, a uh, children's book called The Cafeteria Lady from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> and they're so similar. And I was like, oh, shit, am I allowed to say Lady from the Black Lagoon? And they're like, my, my you're like you like, could yeah. literally call it The Cafeteria Lady from the Black yeah. Girl on the Lagoon. You and you would worry still be able to get away with it. Don't have to worry about it. Um, so right now, all the works that were published before 1923 are in the public domain. So that means a lot of classic works of literature are public domain. But what does that mean for you as a reader? Can you walk into a bookstore and grab a copy of Frankenstein and just, like, walk out with it? No. Put that book down. Put it down right now. What that means is that the publishers or printer doesn't need to pay for the actual content of the book. And that's why there's so many free digital editions of classic books on Kindle or on audio. And that's good news for you if if you're a reader, if you want to try a classic book, you can probably find it for free online or check and check it out that way or... Um, on your Kindle or as an audiobook. Yeah. And so some books in the public domain include Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen, mm-hmm. Alice's Adventures in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll, Moby Dick by Herman Melville, Dracula by, by Bram Stoker, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer by Mark Twain, Sherlock Holmes by Arthur and Conan Doyle, Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens, Frankenstein uh, or The Modern Prometheus by Mary Shelley. I love all these like or titles because, you know, did you know that Moby Dick is called Or the Whale? Is there anyone who t- calls it by the second title? <laughs> They're like I don't, Mo- I'm, I don't like Moby Dick. I call it the Whale. Me, and that's when you're like more familiar with it. Like that's your nickname for it. By the way, my friend Cassandra told me the other day that it was really funny to her that neither of us knew the plot of Moby Dick. Have you never read Moby Dick? No, we've discussed it on the show. Apparently, neither of us know the plot of it. Have you read it? Oh yeah, I read it when I was little. But did you know the plot plot of it? I think we both discussed it. and We were like, we don't know who dies. Oh yeah. Do you know? We, who we dies? couldn't remember if the whale died. <laughs> Because I feel like the whale's a metaphor, guys. That's all second. The whale, which is what I like to call it. The whale. <laughs> also, I <laughs> me, like to, me and Moby are too close. I like to call it the whale. <laughs> the whale. Uh, I like to point out there's also, in this list of top downloaded uh, public domain books, was Glove Lore, an 1897 book by an unknown author all about gloves. Or the lore of gloves. The lore of gloves. That's amazing. I thought it was a joke, and then I started reading it, and it was all about gloves. That's, you know, you love a micro history. I might read this glove book. <laughs> so uh, for all you fan fiction writers who are worried about getting in trouble, why don't you just start here and go with, you know, that Tale of Two Cities fanfic that we've all been waiting on. I know. Waiting I our whole lives. Fuck. I want to see Moby Dick fuck that whale. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is it Moby Dick the whale? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry, Captain Ahab or whoever the fuck Captain is. Ahab. Uh, so why would you ever pay for a public domain book? Uh, well, you might want an audio b- book version with the famous narrator, or you might want a f- physical copy that's really fancy and high quality. I know Penguin uh, has a really, really nice, really, really nice editions of classic books uh, that are all public domain. But you know, they have the um, fabric lined cover, and they have a little ribbon. And the, did like, you buy any of those? No. Okay. But I do. Uh, I have quite a few really nice versions of classic horror books that are in public domain. Uh, I like to buy editions uh, sometimes just because. Uh, they have a great introduction or an essay by a writer or filmmaker that I really like. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Penguin released some really excellent editions of horror classics uh, with an intro by Guillermo del Toro. Uh, mm-hmm. There's one, they have like, you know, The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson, Frankenstein. The pages are edged in black and they're very goth. Ooh. Uh, but you just need to, if you are interested in it, just get one that each edition has the same essay by Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. Um, but... So, like, I will buy a public, like, a classic public domain book like that if there's an edition that has, like, an extra cool thing that I want. Same. I also, I bought, um, I just recently bought a cool copy of Frankenstein because I was at um, the oldest bookstore 
in Lisbon. In Lisbon. It's like one of the oldest bookstores in Europe, I think. And you got me a little notebook. I got from you a little there. notebook and it had a stamp, but now I don't remember where it's what is the oldest of. <laughs> anyway, um It's a very old bookstore. It's a very old bookstore and I got like a little tiny it was like a little tiny version of Frankenstein that they had there that I thought was really cute. And I think these make good gifts too. Oh, like totally. these cool public, like if you know someone likes this like classic book, like what a cool gift to get them with the, what it has like a special cover or yeah. something like that. Cause you, you want to keep those books around. You're going to reread them later. Yeah. So it makes sense to like, this is a cool thing to like look into. Uh, and so Kindle has a lot of digital versions of classics and a lot of websites have them too. Like uh, project Gutenberg is one of the big ones. And uh, LibriVox has free public domain versions of audiobooks. I, I love them. Um, before in the days before Alan, when I was re- like a really bad insomniac, I used to like to fall asleep to them because, like, especially. Are you not a bad insomniac anymore? No, hmm. I'm not I'm either. Very... But it's because I started taking magnesium before I went to bed. Oh, that yeah. really changed my life. That magnesium trick. Uh, there, no, for me, it's sleeping next to a gigantic Viking man mm. and all the cat. I feel so and, safe. Like, Forty-five cats. Yeah. You're just like in a. You're basically in a like. You're guarded by, like, walls of cats. (laughs) I know that if something happened, like, A, the cats would alert us pretty quickly. Yeah. And then, B, Alan would crush them with his giant man hands. (laughs) I feel very safe. Uh, Like, it just makes makes my anxiety go away. You have Alan, and if he fails, you have cats. (laughs) Yeah, I'm good. By that time, I'll definitely have at least my glasses on, so I'll be okay. (laughs) That's really the big thing I'm concerned about is not having my glasses on. Um. But yeah, I really love audio free audiobooks on LibriVox for insomnia, especially like the older books because, you know, the, the the language is a little more hard to understand, it's a little drier, so it just would help me fall asleep. I used to love listening to Poe audiobooks. Oh yeah. Uh which is very frightening if you wake up in the middle of the night and it's still going. I am curious about what people listen to to fall asleep bookwise because yeah, that's creepy. Yeah. Well, but I'm also very creepy, but I okay. <laughs> I was very, very into it. Uh, so, yeah, write, write uh, readingglassespodcast at gmail.com and let us know what audiobooks you fall asleep to <laughs> uh, and your thoughts on public domain books. And so before we look at some book tech, we're going to take a quick break. You probably know that Max Fun podcasters are funny in the talking way, but did you know they also are funny in the writing way? We are very excited to announce that John Hodgman and Paula Poundstone wrote books that have been named as semi-finalists for the 2018 Thurber Prize for American Humor. John Hodgman, celebrated fake internet court presider, is the host of Judge John Hodgman and was recognized for his book Vacation Land. Paula Poundstone's book is called The Totally Unscientific Study of the Search for Human Happiness, and you can hear her expound on happiness and many other topics on her new podcast, Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. The Thurber Prize is one of the highest awards for humor writing in the United States, and we are proud to have both these authors on Maximum Fun every week. Paula Poundstone and John Hodgman, congratulations. So it's time to look at some book tech, advances in bookish technology. Uh, This week is special because we're solving a book tech problem. Uh, Caroline wrote in, My boyfriend and I are both avid readers, and my boyfriend in particular likes reading in bed before going to sleep. We have an Ikea bed frame with a really thick headboard, and we've had trouble finding a clip-on light that fits on the back of the headboard, since the clips can't usually stretch all the way around the headboard. Do you have any favorite lights that can be attached to a super thick headboard? Any advice on better in bed reading you have would be much appreciated by these two myopic bookworms. Uh, what you Carolyn do, Bria? Uh, 
so I read on a Kindle, so this is like not a good. I I have been reading some some physical copy books. <laughs> There's not a good word for that. Print books, some print books, right? Print books. But you print on a Kindle. Well, I guess you don't print on a Kindle. Um, so I have I have been reading some lately. But I wonder if, why is not to like belabor this question. But what why can she not use a bedside lamp? She has no lamp room. Um, maybe no lamp room. Maybe they want something like brighter and closer to the page. Maybe they want to wake up their partner. No, it's I. Th- I think they like sometimes having an overhead light is a better type of light. If you have um. Like, you know, we have string lights in our bedroom and they're all around the room, but we don't have a bedside, like, lamp area. Okay. I really rely on that bedside table because I have to have, like, a book there, my journal there, uh, snacks there, my water. These are, like, all things, like, before I go to bed, I have to, like, make sure all these things are goes into bed with a little basket with all of her provisions. I have, like, a face mask thingy to put over my face. Um, So I need that bedside table. I was recently at a hotel that had these really cool little arm like little lights on the end of arms in this in the hotel, like because you know, like a hotel is like small and like the like there's like a bed and there's not much room for anything else. But they had these little lights on the ends of arms. But I don't really know how to do that, and that is a hotel that was in Barcelona. So I'm like not being a very helpful person, Mallory. I feel like you're the better person to answer this question. I have a lot of advice for this. Okay. Um, uh, so first off, give up on the clamp lamp. Uh, get a vice lamp. So in- it's a lamp that instead of a clip, like a clamp, it has an adjustable vice grip. Oh, so you oh, unscrew it. Yeah, a screw thingy. And so it a it'll be sturdier on the headboard. And most vice grip lamps fit on a thicker surface because you can like open it up really wide oh, and yeah. stick it on. Because uh, a b- clamp lamp, you try to get it on a thick headboard and eventually it will slide back. Um, I also recommend getting a wall lamp that adjusts as one of those ones that you like screw directly into the wall and um, how far out from the wall the light goes is adjustable because it's on like an adjustable arm. Uh, uh, So you can pull it out when you're reading above you. Like if if they're both laying in bed and the wall lamp is screwed in above them, you can pull it out. Oh, I see what you're saying. Get the bright light on your book and then push it closer to the wall when you're ready to go to bed. Uh, You don't want to like accidentally stand up in bed and then you hit your head on the on the lamp. Oh yeah, or cat bothers it. Listen, she's not saying anything about cats. I just always am looking for cat solutions. (laughs) Uh, So it's so it's good because you can adjust the light closer to your book. It's better for your eyes, and you can put it like that's what I used to have um, when I lived alone. Um, And I would like pull it out. And put it back in. And they're really, they're so cheap. You can find one on Amazon for like $10 or go to Ikea or go literally anywhere that has lamps. <laughs> that sounds great. Uh, so now we're going to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Uh, Emily writes in. This is, I, I chose this one because the la- the book tech question was a little bit more me. This one's a little bit more you. Emily wrote in, and I will say so. Uh, this is this is like Bria's been waiting for this question her entire <laughs> my life. entire life. And I will say so. Emily wrote in with this question, and this was supposed to be for our AMA episode, but we couldn't fit it in. Um, this is how far behind we are in questions, guys. By the way, uh, so Emily wants to know. I'd love to hear more about Bria's snacks, favorite snacks, snack recipes, suggestions for reading while eating snacks without getting stuff on your fingers that would smudge your book. Bria. This is your moment. I'm doing a stretch before I answer this question. I just feel like it's so much. Um, 
So my go-to snack for anyone who knows me is chocolate. In fact, Mallory and I went to Universal Studios a couple of days ago, <sighs> and I decided to bring a chocolate bar, which was in a bag, and it was in a cardboard thing. But, the but bag it was, was 112 open. degrees out. Yeah, and that still melted in the bottom of that purse. Sugar. And I don't know how I'm going to figure that problem out. It's amazing to me that it still happens. Oh, yeah, I know. It's crazy. I Well, then the next day I put my next chocolate bar in a bag, in a plastic bag, sealed it, and it did completely melt also. But it didn't spill everywhere, right? It didn't spill everywhere. And then I just stuck it in the freezer, and I'm hoping I can recover it. I feel like your freezer is just full with these like mis- <laughs> misshapen, melted chocolate Because what lumps. does happen is the, the fat of the chocolate separates from the other parts, and so it gets this like white crust on it, but it's still good. You can still eat it. Anyway, this is not important. Um, <laughs> so my go-to is chocolate. I think because uh, the sugar and the like, there's a slight bit of caffeine in chocolate. I don't drink normal caffeine, so that kind of keeps me awake. Um, I actually love chocolate so much, I'm really worried I'm going to develop an allergy to it. <laughs> I have a couple of key things for a good chocolate bar. You ready? Because I go for bars. Uh, percentage. I try to do seven. I do dark chocolate. I do 70% or more. That's a, like a good healthy chocolate for you. Closer, higher the number, the closer to God. You don't get that joke, but someone will. Um, <laughs> location. So there's this new thing about chocolate bars where they're becoming more like coffee. So they're becoming like artisan sort of. Oh yeah, single origin chocolate. So single origin chocolate is gonna is probably gonna be better. I'm not. I mean, I'm not gonna knock your like Hershey's chocolate bar, but it is like it a is single an equal origin. chocolate opportunist. Yeah, but it is like a single origin chocolate is going to be a big difference. So if it says like, oh, this is all from this one specific farm or this one specific place, it's probably gonna be better. And then also for me, salt price. I like a sea salt related chocolate, <laughs> and I like a cheaper chocolate. Now, I will splurge in the $9 bar every once in a while. Don't judge me. This is a major part of my food. I will say every time Bria comes over to record interviews for the show, there's always some chocolate. And I always get the quick rundown (laughs) of if it's got, of like how much it was and how much salt is in it. Yeah. But you can find a really good, like, single origin, nice dark chocolate bar for $4 to $5 at my grocery stores. And I live in LA where everything is so expensive. So I'm assuming everyone else can as well. I also, you can get them online, I'm sure. Um, So. Chocolate is good for you. There's that. Non-chocolate things I like. Nuts covered in chocolate. (laughs) Decaf teas. Popcorn. Olives. They're best if they're stuffed with things. Pickles. Um, And I use a Kindle. And it gets dirty. And I don't know what to say about that. But I just, like, wipe it down, I guess. That's what I do. It, like, it's it's not usually that hot here, so I don't have, like, a big meltish, melting issue. But What are you talking about? Yeah, I don't know. My I fiance, I have lost count of the amount of times where you've come into my house and they're like, hey, can I have some paper towels? <laughs> I know. I left my chocolate in my purse or I left my chocolate in my car. My fiance says that my superpower is that I can get chocolate on anything because yeah. he'll be get, get in the car and be like, why is there chocolate on the steering wheel? <laughs> I think Bria is more on the opposite end of the spectrum, and she's like, you don't need to worry about smudges. Just, like, be smudge zen. Just be, yeah, just, like, that's just part of who you, what my life is, and it makes me happy to have all these snacks around. Um, I also am pro-fruit, so if you're trying to be, like, clean, nuts is not going to be smudgy. Blueberries would be good. Yeah, as long as you're not putting them, like, on your hands. Like going hand. If you put your hand on a blueberry, can how do you smushy? normally eat blueberries? I take my hands, I smush them around. <laughs> I just <laughs> get pull- real smushy. I don't normally use my hands to eat blueberries, Mallory. I don't. What? <laughs> um, I do love a vegan yogurt with blueberries in it. That's like a good go-to snack for me. That's a pretty. Pretty specific one, though. So, sorry, everybody. But those are my snacks. Um, anything that tastes like vinegar or chocolate, I'm pretty down for. Yeah. If you can combine a pickle and a chocolate bar, 
Uh, what about that? Uh, those chocolate Mama that have sold. salt and pep- salt, salt and vinegar chips inside of them. I think they're not dairy free, and oh. I don't eat dairy. Uh, I think I they have like they have chips in them. Yeah. Yes. My yeah. goal someday is to have a reading glass, like Bria brand snacks. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> for reading. Um, I snacks. looked into how hard it was to make chocolate bars because I was like, I'm so into this. Like, maybe I should start to make chocolate reading bars. Reading glasses, and I'm chocolate. Pretty, I can make things. Like, I'm pretty creative when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I was like, could I be a person who produced chocolate bars? But it's actually quite hard to make chocolate. Bria, do you think that you could make a smudge-free chocolate that we could use as uh, merchandise for the it show? It would not be delicious because part of it is the, like, melt-in-your-mouth quality of chocolate. And if like you melt in your chocolate. mouth, it's going to melt in your, like, 98-degree hands. Oh, fair enough. All right, what do you think? What are your sna- snacks? I have some snack hacks for everybody. Uh, I will say, so my favorite smudge-free reading snack is those, like, terrible dried sheets of seaweed from Trader Joe's. <laughs> By the way, I was just with this uh, this director I was working with, and she kept calling them fish paper. <laughs> That's what they are. She's like, I don't like that fish paper. It smells bad. Yeah, is that, that Jill? So funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they don't even taste that good. I, call, oh, I like them. I think they taste good. I, I call them mermaid snacks because I think that's what mermaids would eat. Uh, but you can eat them with one hand, one. They don't have a lot of crumbs, and they're very satisfying to eat because they're very crunchy. Yeah. And you can eat, like, three packages of them at a time because they're, like, 30 calories Yeah, you can eat three box. packages, and you're still not full. I love it. I can so I can just like p- pound them and and read at the same time. It's like a never ending supply. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've got to share my hacks. First off, get a book weight, and that way you can eat a big sandwich with two hands and read at the same time because the book's open for you. Okay. Uh, also, this is my very very amazing snack hack uh, that I have kept secret for long t- for a long time, and I'm happy to finally share with everybody. So, for snacks that make your fingers messy, get a pair of chopsticks. Seriously, pour that snack into a bowl. So if you're doing like a flaming Hot Cheeto. Yeah, eat it with chopsticks so there's no flavor dust on your fingers. And also, heads up, if oper- operating chopsticks is tough for you because you ha- like, you're like you disabled and you're, you have some issue with your hands, try those special connected chopsticks yeah, that are easier. Ones. But seriously, I have whiled away many a happy hour eating. If I ever but- walked in you were eating like cheese puffs with chopsticks, <laughs> I would literally just walk out the- right back out the door. <laughs> But so you, you know what I really love because I you know, I don't eat meat and I haven't eaten meat in a really long time. But one of the one things I miss is buffalo chicken because I love oh. buffalo sauce. One of my favorite snacks, and Alan and I have been super healthy, so I don't really eat snacks anymore. Uh, but those buffalo flavored pretzels from Snyder's, oh. but they get all the buffalo dust on your hands. So I would pour them into a bowl. You eat them with chopsticks, and you don't get any buffalo dust on the pages. You could easily roast some vegetables and put buffalo sauce on them. It's going to taste. Oh, yeah, the, I the like whole it. thing is buffalo. The sauce is what's good. I know. About that I, now stuff. I put buffalo sauce on everything. Yeah, yeah. That's that's just a sauce thing. I, I am a I same am a with like sauce a barbecue person. sauce. Like yeah. you can do, put barbecue sauce on anything. It tastes good. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I like it on pizza. But uh, but yeah, so that's, I'm telling you, smudge free snacks or smudge free reading. Get some chopsticks. Yeah, I think the key for me is you got to have some sort of sugar to kind of keep you going, and then maybe a protein. I was just. <laughs> Opening these snacks, which I love these, these Unreal dark chocolate peanut butter cups. There's a Justin's one, too. Do you want to try this? Sure. Yeah. Um, this is my last one, so you can oh, have. I'm getting, I'm getting for his last <laughs> snack. No, you can have. Oh. <laughs> you can have the big half. Oh, there you go. But that, I, I like the, I like I like the dark chocolate snack. peanut butter combo. Are we, are we eating snacks eat. live? Yeah. Just what everyone wants to hear. A mouthful of snacks. <laughs> 
So if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle, who runs our Facebook group, and Christy and Rachel, who moderate our Goodreads page. Also, remember, guys, if you want to support the show, you can buy Reading Glasses tote bags and bookmarks in the Max Fun store. There's a link in the show notes. You can show off your love of reading and show off your love of reading glasses and look really like a cool bookish person. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us and helps us reach more readers. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. And you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks for snacking. He always considered that possessing a mere single moon somehow made the Earth the poor relation of the solar system. But... Seeing it firsthand convinced him otherwise. A solitary moon was pleasing aesthetically. Nicely understated. Not too showy. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.